Hello, and welcome to the Fan America podcast. I'm your host, Mark Pajarski, and you're listening to a podcast that's all about you, the American soccer fan. Welcome one and all to a new podcast, and I think pretty unique podcast. As you'll have just heard, this is Fan America, and as the name would suggest, this is a podcast all about American soccer fans and their fandom. Each week, I'm going to interview an average American soccer fan about how they came to the sport, uh, their best uh, soccer memories, who they root for and why, all things that I think we as American soccer fans enjoy talking about and hearing about. But I guess the next logical question is why? And I I think that's a fair question. I've been a soccer fan since I was three years old, and and really, I shouldn't be. I grew up in the heart of the Midwest in a tiny little town where no one played or watched or cared about soccer. The soccer experiences we have as fans here at America is, is, I think, at least pretty unique. Unlike other parts of the world, soccer is is maybe generously the fourth most popular sport here, and that's only in the year 2021. Before that, it was just a sport that little kids played before they moved on to the other American sports. So the fact that any of us would be soccer fans at all is, is pretty incredible. We're fans of a, a foreign game, but slowly and surely, we're making a culture of our own. And this podcast exists to celebrate American soccer fans and that emerging culture by telling your stories one fan at a time. This week's episode is going to be a little bit unique in this feed as it is the inaugural episode. I decided to have two guests and they are some longtime soccer loving friends of mine. This episode is pretty loose. It's full of ridiculous nonsense and stories. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the banter as much as we did. All right, guys. Well, welcome to uh, Soren Rhett Johnson and Monty French, who I'm sorry, I don't know if you've got a cool uh, soccer themed nickname, but no, I, not that I'm aware it. of. If, if we talk about it long, if we talk about it long enough, Rhett will come up with one just because I know Rhett and I am the only person not wearing a soccer jersey on this on this recording right now. And I also just realized I'm wearing uh, Pete Maravich socks, which are for basketball. So I just really dropped the ball across the board. So my bad, everyone. Monty uh, Nuno's son, French. Monty French national team. There it is. Yep. Monty I can work with that. Espirito Santo. I'm still not. It's like, ah. We'll get into that more as we go along. His feelings on Nuno, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, this first part of the podcast here, we'll uh, we'll do some quick take, uh, just spur of the moment kind of questions. You and me, um, your feelings, your thoughts, and uh, we'll start with um, Adidas or Nike. Uh, you can make that based on their shoes, on their jerseys their brands in general but it's a divisive topic in the soccer world so we need to know 
Uh, I'm absolutely three stripe life. Um, their shoes are wider. Their uh, their their products are more comfortable. Um, they're not dumb. So I'm absolutely Nike, and I don't have a I don't have a well thought out reason. It's pure vibes, and the vibes are telling me to go with Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, pure vibes, are pretty much the only way to make decisions in the soccer world anymore. It's I uh, think so. It seems to be Bear Halter's um, uh, thought behind I'm, how we should defend. Is I'm pretty vibes. sure. I'm pretty sure if if you found the meeting notes from the Super League, it was just you know pure vibes was basically it. Guys, uh, twelve of us we're going to get together. We're going to make our own league. How's it going to work? I don't know. Vibes. How it didn't work, nobody knows. Yeah, bad vibes. <laughs> Exclusively bad vibes. All right, so we've got split here. Um, next one then will be. Um, are we going with Jose or Pep? Ooh. You got to win a cup final. Who are you going with? Ooh. All right. Off the top of my head, you know, I've thought about this and I think, uh, you know, Pep can win with really good players, but I feel like Josie could find ways to win with good players, with bad players, with players that hate him, with players that he hates. Uh, he can also lose in all of those different areas, but, uh, I got I got to go with I got to go with Josie. Uh mainly I also just kind of hate Pep. Like tactically he's incredible. I, I don't know. Never never been in on Pep. It's not. Well, the the specific way you phrase the question mark makes it more difficult cuz you said uh, which manager do you pick to win a cup final? And we've all seen Pep in uh, late in cup finals, overthink things, try like introduce just wild tactical things. So you're tapping your head right now, which makes me think that was intentional. So good podcast hosting by you. Um, But really it comes down to one way or another um, for me as a Spurs fan thinking through, okay, do I want to go with the manager who uh, tried to burn down my, the club I care about most from the inside out? Or do I want to go with the manager who's currently trying to burn the club down from the outside by stealing away the club's most important player? Um, and so, uh, it you know, there's not a good option with that, but I just have, uh, as we've already established, vibes are important. And so I just have a, the, the Mourinho eras at Spurs is recent enough in my brain to where that still has a bad taste in my mouth, aside from like that one month where they were top of the table and I was like, Hey, he can burn the club down as much as he wants if he wins the league. And then he, he, all he heard was the burn the club down part. So, um, <laughs> so I, I'm still bitter from that basically. And all that to say is, uh, give, I guess, give me pep. I'm not, I don't feel great about it, but he has more of a track record of winning games in this decade than Josie does. So I'll that go with true. that. And, uh, I guess while pep may not be able to win the big one again, um, in the Champions League, he uh, is no problem winning the uh, the League Cup, and if, if which is the real trophy we all care about, you exactly. Know. And if you know, maybe Jose could have made a difference, but uh, you know, he got the sack before he got the chance. So who knows? Man, who knows? Un- but, completely uh, unbiased opinion, but I feel like all clubs in the roughly the top six ish of the table should just not care about the, the, the English league cup whatsoever. It should only ever play their, their, you know, B team youngsters, um, you know, and 
you know, everyone, with the exception of Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, with the exception of Tottenham, I think just everyone else has to field an under eighteen team against Harry Kane and Sun Young Men. Because you know, and just just once, you know, we just need to win that trophy. What is and when we inevitably lose to Man City and their U eighteen team? Uh, then we just burn <laughs> the whole thing to the ground. Just yeah, you know. So, all right. Well, <laughs> on to the next one. Then are we going? In everyday life, boots or cleats? Cleats. Well, yeah, if we're talking about the things you wear on your feet while you're playing soccer, yeah, I call them cleats. But he said everyday life, and I live in Minnesota, and it's cold. (laughs) So in that sense, you know, I guess that's still the American term, but, you know. It's 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 getting boot season up here, basically. Yeah, no, it's been it's been boot season in New Hampshire for the last two weeks, and I love it. Uh, mm. That know, is so. what you were asking about, right, Mark? Exactly. Yes. Um, I have to think about what what shoes I'm going to wear during the summer. I got to wake up and decide, make style decisions. Winter, fall. No, <laughs> putting on putting on my boots. I imagine as we approach November uh, in New Hampshire and in Minnesota. Um, this has, I mean, if there's, if this isn't cleat season, I don't know what is. <laughs> so six feet of snow on the ground, you're going to need studs. You, you need traction in that weather. That's true. That's a good point. I, mean, I thought about that. So, all right. And then lastly here, um, if you were the GM, and I'm going to use that term GM of an MLS team, and you had one aging superstar from years back or today but they have to be over the age of 35 because it's mls who are you bringing to your club and why for 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 a season maybe like making a tight like we're making a title run and they gear up and i and i gotta i gotta put a team okay Ooh. as current like i can't go back and someone who was formerly 35 like oh no you can yeah Oh, oh boy! But you have to take the thirty-five-year-old version of them. Oh, wait, I forgot. I was going to make an answer that actually happened and didn't work. So <laughs> I was going to say Drogba. I was like, <laughs> just keep Drogba there. He would, and then I remembered that that's exactly what the, <laughs> what Montreal did, and then uh, did not didn't I mean, almost work, but did not work. The secret right answer is to go the Inter Miami route and get three thirty-five-year-olds, but only pay yeah, exactly only show two of them under the table, paying one of them. <laughs> pay two of them under the table. Um, no, that's a really interesting one because we've seen teams like I mean, we saw with uh, with the Galaxy and uh, with. Is it the Galaxy? I am so lost. Galaxy with um, with Zlatan. Um, and we've seen teams go in like uh, with with midfielders in um, Sebastian Schweinsteiger playing for the Chicago Fire, which is just the thing that sometimes I remember happened. Uh, like, but for like a God. long time, like, like for gonna... years, he was just in playing soccer in Chicago. Hey, they were going to win the World Cup, man. Hey, man. Hey, Chicago, Chicago Fire, World Cup champions. Um, <laughs> and Andrea Pirlo. I would say nowadays, if if I could get someone, I I would say Sergio Busquets. Man, you want to talk about a dude who who could just 
absolutely win you game after game without anyone realizing that it's him doing the winning of the games. Like, I don't think he can run whatsoever, but maybe I've watched one too many, like, YouTube cut-ups of, like, the person showing all the people that his body language just totally threw for a loop. But I'm like, yeah, you throw that in the back of any MLS team, and it's just going to be, like, jailbreaks all day long. So Sergio Busquets, that's my answer. That's not a bad shout. What about you, Monty? All right, so I have two answers. One of them I thought was over 35 and isn't, but I'm going to mention it anyway because I think it would be – I don't know if fun's the right word, but it would be a thing. Um, and, the, and so that one is Luis Suarez. He doesn't turn 35 until January. So uh, till next Jan- January 22, 2022. But can you imagine, like, Luis, like, it would basically be Zlatan in the Galaxy where it's, like, you just need a team where it's, like, the whole point is just, like, kick the ball to Suarez while he's in the box and see what happens. Um, but, and as long as that wasn't happening on a team that I cared about, but like, I would see Twitter highlights every now and then, like that would, that would be wild. Um, I don't know if it would be good. I don't know if it'd be good for the league, but it would be wild. And that's all that matters. Wildly Uh, entertaining. Uh, I think my, I think my actual answer, and I thought of it while Rhett was talking about why Busquets would be so good. And it's probably the lazy answer, but it's the one I'm going with. And for basically all the same reasons Rhett was saying, like, uh, I think, give me Luka Modric. Like, like, guys, Messi and Ronaldo are both like over 35, right? Come on. Are they? I mean, Ronaldo, yeah. As I was talking about Suarez, I realized that Cristiano's probably, he's 35, right? Close, man, they're getting close. They're old. I thought yeah, Messi uh, was a year or two younger, but I know um, he's been over 35 since he was 23. So I'm, I'm <laughs> both are good shouts. I have questions about whether or not Sergio Busquets could handle the rigors of MLS, the travel, oh. the the artificial turf. Uh, oh, anyone who's Luka played Modric. Good. I mean, anyone who's played for Barcelona or Real Madrid, like coming to MLS and being like, wait, I got to fly commercial. Like, it's <laughs> just like, I mean, you know, there's questions. Those questions are valid. Uh, but you know, <laughs> and I feel I, like Luka Modric, Luka Modric would relish it because at least it's better than the, the, fields he was playing on in Croatia. That's a good point. I even <laughs> so, thought about that. <laughs> so, um, excellent guys. That, that'll that end our uh, quickfire questions, our random hour. Um, and we're going to move into the next section on the other side of this sound. Sound. Do you need sponsors? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah. Squarespace, so, better help. Uh, yeah. Any uh, one of a number of food delivery services. Roughneck scarves. Local weed dispensary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sunday scaries. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so welcome back. We will begin our interview portion here. Um, and we're going to take this since this is our first uh dual interview uh we're gonna put some order to it and i'll uh i'll talk to soren rhett johnson first and then we'll follow up and we'll we'll hear uh what monty has to say about the same questions uh on the other half so rhett score and soren johnson mm. um how did you become a soccer fan what led you to the beautiful game Man, um, it took a while for me to get into soccer. Whenever I was a little kid, I played um, 
you know, little, little, little baby soccer. Cause everyone in America plays soccer until they're five and then quits. And I was actually really good. I remember I had a game where I scored four goals. I don't remember scoring any of the goals, but I remember my grandma would give me a dollar for every score that I, like any sport. If I got a run in baseball, scored a point, like a bus, a bucket in basketball or whatever, she would give me like a dollar for however many points I produced for my team. I remember getting $4 after a soccer game and being like, this was, this is the greatest thing. But I thought, I thought the coach um, didn't like me as a player because he only allowed me to play on one half of the field. And so I figured that I was not as good as the, I did not understand sport whatsoever. Greg Greg Berhalter, if you're listening, uh, just all we're asking is you consider the strategy of giving a dollar to every person (laughs) that scores a goal. Just, I know he's out there. I know he's listening. Just consider it. That's all all I'm I'm asking. Yeah. You likely won't have to pay very many. Oh man. Yeah. That was, that was my understanding of soccer um, until I was 18 and then, Really, it was kind of the community of soccer. Uh, a couple guys at um, my church had started up a tradition in Oklahoma called the Turkey Cup, where we wake up at 6 a.m. and play a soccer game every Thanksgiving uh, under the lights. Um, and I was invited to that. I had not played soccer in 15 years and showed up um, as a senior in high school and went and, and played and did score a goal in the game. It was a whole bunch of people, you know, it was pretty wrecked, but just the environment. I grew up playing sports, played football, played basketball and in all of them. Um, I feel like there was a competitive nature there where like I, I grew to dislike my teammates. Cause I thought there was this like scarcity mindset of, you know, if this guy's doing well, he's taking my minutes or he's taking my job or, you know, the ball never comes to me or whatever, things like that. And then I got to soccer and it was just so laid back and cool. And everyone, you know, like when someone else did something cool on the other team, everyone was just like, whoa, hey, that, was, that was dope. Yeah. You know, and I was like, OK, well, that's pretty cool. And then um, that next summer was uh, Euro 2012. And I remember watching Portugal and Spain play for 120 minutes without scoring a goal and watching the whole the whole 120 and not being bored and like suddenly getting it after having like played it a little bit, got a little bit to it. And I was like, Whoa, I like soccer. And it was like, like, well, you know, just like in my brain took soccer from sports that were like, you know, for, for Euro lads and whatnot. And was like, this is a good, this is a good game. I, I, you know, I I can really uh, appreciate it and ended up going to college and being put on a dorm floor with a lot of guys that played on the soccer team. Um, and being around, being around guys like, uh, you know, oh, Mark Bajarski and Monty French and whatnot. Um, but uh, really got into soccer there. And um, kind of our dorm floor, there were several of us that were like, oh, hey, did you realize that soccer's cool? And we're like, no, no, yeah, me too. And we kind of all decided together to get into soccer via playing FIFA. And like, it was sort of choose a team. We're going to get into the Premier League. We're all going to like care about it so that we have people to talk about it with. And um, I, I, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll let Monty in a little bit on it. But my original team I chose was Chelsea. And it was 100% because my I had a friend, Kelvin, and he told me to watch the little uh, documentary on the 2012 Champions League final that had like just happened. And Drogba's 93rd minute header and everything. And I watched Drogba highlights and I was like, this team's the greatest team ever. This is so cool. Josie Mourinho is the greatest soccer coach to ever play. play. Uh, and I, I jumped in uh, full-throated 
All takes that have aged very well. Yes, incredible. Incredible takes. I was like, Chelsea plays soccer the right way. Uh, they handle their <laughs> business in a way that you want you know, a team to handle their business. And they are good for soccer. So let's go. Uh, and jumped in, um, started playing pickup and whatnot, and just really fell in love. Just got like stupid obsessed with soccer in, in college. Just absolutely loved it. Um, that's where it started for me. And then like, what, money? like six weeks after I jumped in? <laughs> Or something, uh, you know, that was kind of the genesis of your story. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll get right to you, Monty. But I wanted to back up and say, Soren, so FIFA was kind of your entry point then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and that seems like that's how you came to know and choose Chelsea. So, Chelsea, your team? Um. No, <laughs> not, not really. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I like that you, you're leading, you, you knew where this was going. No, uh, so after several years uh, watching and just like understanding, you know, I mean, I was learning the rules of the game from Chelsea, from, from, from FIFA and playing with Chelsea and whatnot, doing things. And then as I, as I just got to, to learn and understand, it was around, it was 26, 14, 2015, 2016, and watched through. It was really cool. There were some high highs. We won the league a couple times, and I remember it was the second time we won the league that I started. I'd gotten to a point in soccer where I started realizing, like, what kind of soccer I liked and, like, why I really loved the sport and what I thought was the, really the heart of it. The and second time they won the league, you're talking about the year that Conte – with Conte, right? Yes, with Conte. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when it was, I think it was the Drogba comeback year and whatnot, like, and I remember like watching Chelsea win the league at my in-laws house, like woke up early in the morning and we won, uh, won the league, had the whole thing. It was, it was the, it was Crystal Palace and Eden Hazard uh, missed a penalty, then tipped it back in. And we were like, okay, good. We won the game. So it's not weird. Cause you know, that can happen and not enjoying it. Like, like, I constantly found myself like frust like frustrated with different things about it. And then um, honestly, like the, the moment, the moment was uh, that next off season, they talked about maybe bringing back in um, uh, Romelu Lukaku, a guy who my first Chelsea game I ever watched was the super cup where he absolutely ballooned a penalty and he was supposed to be the next big thing. He ballooned a penalty in the shootout and then Marino Mourinho shipped him out to uh to Everton um that year and I suddenly realized like watching around I I started this tracker thing with uh I would text Monty about it year year in and year out I would track Chelsea score goals scored in the Premier League by Chelsea players at Chelsea and Premier League goals scored by players who had been on Chelsea um that are no longer at Chelsea like and dude like Chelsea fielded a better team of guys they had passed up on than um, guys that that than, than what they had on the team, and it was all these dudes. You know, the team they had was all these like really mega mega millions rich guys that they just brought in, and everyone they had outcast, you know, the cast out was you know homegrown, you know, scouted from different places. And I was like, dude, I don't like I don't like rooting for a team that's really expensive and plays negative soccer. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I had a whole soul searching thing and then um ended up 
ended up realizing that I had been rooting for Tottenham in every game I'd watched them for the last like three or four years and had been like excited about the story of them, you know, the way that they were building. It was like, oh yeah. And eventually it was like, you know what? I think I'm actually a Tottenham fan because what is fanhood? Like I don't live in Chelsea. I chose this team. You know, I was like, so if I'm going to arbitrarily choose a team, like why am I going to choose a team I dislike? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I dislike watching. I don't like the experience of being a Chelsea fan right now. So I left and then immediately they let all their kids play <laughs> and brought like Frank Lampard in and like, yeah, it was, it was horrible. Uh, I've had a tortured experience, but uh, for the last couple of years, I've been a Tottenham fan and um, have enjoyed watching them grow in the way that they run their business. But now I don't care really <laughs> about Tottenham anymore. Like, I, like I, I would say, what is, what is the opposite of a bandwagon fan? Cause <laughs> no, I feel like you went in the wrong direction there, friend. I know I'm going, I'm going never to... thought about that. Rhett's the problem maybe with, with both Chelsea and Spurs. I, I, it's gotta be cause yeah, I, I so I don't know. I've been walking Brett. through this. Yeah. I've been walking through this idea of like, bro, I live in freaking new England. Like I, I don't live in old England. Like, <laughs> you know, who, like, what is the point of me being a soccer fan whenever it's a, you know, it's a team, they're, they're teams that like, I got to wake up early on Saturday morning to watch them. So I'm like, I want to enjoy the experience of watching the team. And I want to like the players that I'm, you know, that are, that are at the club. And so I don't know what to do with that. So now uh, I've been a Tottenham fan. I, I, I remain a Tottenham fan, but like, I really hope they, they turn it around and at least like have fun. Like <laughs> Nuno has been like both bad and uninteresting. <laughs> like Mourinho made us bad, but kind of interesting. And now Nuno, it's like, we're boring and bad. And I'm like, man, this is tough. I may leave again. I don't know. Yeah. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible Premier League fan. <laughs> Just horrible. So uh Monty then same question to you what what brought you to soccer fandom it sounds like it's linked to to Rhett's fandom but what brought you to to soccer and uh who are you a fan of yeah I uh had actually forgotten about this but until you asked uh Rhett and I to to be on here Mark but uh I actually watched the game in the 2010 World Cup where uh um who were they playing when Donovan hit the rebound right at the death to win the Algeria win the game Algeria yeah so again I was in high school had totally forgotten about this but uh I was staying in a hotel at a basketball tournament um and just one of the guys we were getting ready that morning we had basketball games all day and one of the guys I was staying in my room with was a soccer fan and just like had ESPN on while we were getting ready that morning and I just remember like sticking my head around and being like oh soccer and then being like like just happened to watch the end of that game and be like, is that how every soccer game is? Like, this is wild. Um, <laughs> do they do this all the time? Um, and, but that was really kind of about it. You know, like my high school had a soccer team, but they weren't very good. So I just didn't really care. And, um, you know, would read about the national team every now and then, but, but that was about it. Uh, and then the summer of 2014, um, I was, uh, Working at a camp was totally off the grid all summer. I, unbeknownst to me, Rhett was becoming a, a deep uh, into soccer that that summer and was going to drag me into it eventually. But I was actually in Denver the day of the Portugal game for the U.S. in that World Cup where Cristiano scored right at the death. So again, my soccer experience at this point was every game, there's a goal with like five seconds left <laughs> to decide it, apparently. Um, 
um, but I just remember I was walking down. Um, I had been to a Colorado Rockies game that day. So I was walking down the street after that game, either 16th street or Blake street. I don't, one of those two in Denver. Uh, that was just for a deep cut for all the people from Denver who are definitely listening to this. Um, but I just remember like walking past a bar and hearing like everyone chanting USA and then just hearing like a collective, like, Oh, and like, I just happened to be walking by like when Ronaldo scored that goal. So that was, uh, that was wild. Um, and then, yeah, like Rhett was saying, we came back to college that fall and like a bunch of guys on our dorm floor had gotten into soccer and everyone was playing FIFA and stuff. And like, I'm enough of like wanting to hang out with friends and go along with the crowd to where I would just like be in the room while people are playing FIFA. And after like a week of that, it got to the point where I was like, I should probably like pick a team and like get into this um, and like actually commit to it, you know? And like, I just remember like Rhett and someone else was playing FIFA and I was in the room and I just like made the offhand comment of like, man, like I should probably pick a team to root for. And so this was FIFA. I think it was FIFA 14. I don't remember exactly. Um, The greatest FIFA ever. Yeah, I think it was 14. It probably was FIFA 14. And I just remember, so I say like, yeah, I need to pick a team. And Rhett is like picking a team who he's going to play with in that game. And he goes, oh, you you should become a Tottenham fan. So I don't know. I believe it was their third kit that year. Mark, you can correct me. Um, Was like the Houndtooth design. It was like a light blue. And it was... It was the last year HP was a sponsor, I think, on the shirt. Um, So anyway, Rhett was like, you should become a fan of Tottenham because look how dope this jersey is. And I was like, all right, I'm in. Sold. I think I followed them up. We don't know that they change it up every year. Yeah, at this point, we're like, they're going to wear that jersey for the rest of forever. It's going to be great. Um, (laughs) And like like Rhett's already established, he's a Chelsea fan at this point. He didn't care. He just... I've been a it Chelsea like, fan for two weeks. I was Chelsea till I died, so like I couldn't change. Yeah, and then we're all like, "Oh, we're supposed to like hate each other." Apparently, if we lived in England. Um, yeah. So anyway, I didn't know while all that was going on, like the turmoil that was going on. Uh, I've come to learn later. Gareth Bale had just been sold to Real Madrid, as we all know. That money was not spent well necessarily. Um, Pochettino it was right at the beginning of his first season um, in charge of the club, and things weren't good at that point. Like I remember, like just like on Bleacher Report, trying to get familiar with the team and things and being like, this Emmanuel Adebayor guy, he's he's got a, he's good, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember like when I was first starting to play FIFA, I would play a 4-4-2 with Spurs and put have a front two of Adebayor and Roberto Soldado and being like, just banging in the goals, man. And like, you know, yeah, why don't they do that in real life? Um, but uh but yeah like I remember like early in the season reading articles about like is Pochettino gonna get sacked like what's going on and like so very early on in my fandom all of a sudden like this kid Harry Kane starts like banging in goals and like he's wearing number 18 and I'm like I don't know a lot about soccer but I'm pretty sure 18 isn't a real soccer number but it was just like (laughs) every game like it was like oh like it, it at least in my memory like in my memory Harry Kane scored one goal a game every game of that season um and that's so that's what that's just that's how his career has been it's yeah that those are just facts um and so i remember just being like i don't know who this guy is but he's fun and uh and that was really the beginning of pochettino building um everything at spurs and like i just like totally randomly like decided to pick this team and then like got in on the ground floor of the rise of Harry Kane. And like that year was wild. Uh, I believe they snuck in on the last day into fifth. 
to get into the Europa League. And then like from there, the next year, I think they got into the Champions League. And then there was the year where the couple years where they were challenging for the title and things. And and like like we've established, things aren't as good at Spurs now as uh, they were in those days. Um, but man, yeah, like totally random, but just jumped right in and then like was like, whoa, this team's like actually fun and like good and exciting. I remember, Booge, you probably remember this game during that season in the Europa League. I think it was a group stage game in the Europa League where uh, Lamella, Eric Lamella scored a Rabona from like the edge of the box and Harry Kane got put in goal. It was like the same, it was like some team from Greece they were playing. Like, Cyprus. Is that yeah. Well? Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. He and scores like, the Rabona, uh, Harry Kane scores a hat trick and then gets put in goal. And yeah, like Hugo got that's sent like off. the biggest howler in the in history. It's so good. I, I feel like once every few months I watch that on YouTube just to remind myself that that was oh, a yeah. real thing that happened. But I just remember like, very early, like it's very early on in my fandom and like scrolling Twitter and being like, Oh, that's like, that's the team that like I picked like, and all this wild stuff's happening. And so like, not a great game, but a fun game, um, a wild game. And then there was like somewhere in there, there was the game against Aston Villa where it's like in hindsight, like Spurs lose that game. Like Pochettino probably gets sacked and like Harry hit a free kick right at the end to save it. And um, it was a wild time. <laughs> But that's, yeah. that's how I, that's how I got into it. And, um, like Rhett said, you know, honest, like I'm kind of in the same boat as Rhett is like the whole thing with the super league, like the Marie, once Pochettino got fired, I kind of cooled a little bit. And then Mourinho, I was like, yeah, I'll give him a chance. And then that went down the tubes and then everything with the super league happened. And I was like, ah, I don't like this. And then Nuno, it was like right around the time I had convinced myself that that was a good hire. Things kind of turned South. And now I'm like, ah, I mean, they're still my team, but it's not as exciting as it once was. I still have a Spurs scarf hanging up in my office, but um, I'm not there as proud go. of it as I once was. <laughs> well, uh, so listeners of the show, this is you know the heart of our why I wanted to do the podcast was was getting to uh, hear why and how American fans became fans of soccer. Um, I think we all share a pretty similar story. Um, you know, we we live in different parts of the country maybe, but um, you tend to play when you're young, but until, you know, 1996, we didn't have a professional team or professional league rather. Um, And so we were all, we all kind of adopted this, this foreign game and chose to love it despite not really having any strong ties to any of these teams. But we've talked about the premier league and our, our rooting interests there, but we are American fans. So um, just briefly, um, Monte, I'll let you start. Um, have you, do you watch the national team? Do you have, um, any memories, any, uh, maybe one, uh, standing uh, memory that, that really gets you pumped uh, when you think about the national team either? Uh, oh, I guess this one doesn't get me pumped, but it's when I think of the national team and I'm looking at the two of your all's faces, uh, there's one distinct memory that comes to mind. Um, so it was... <laughs> And the face, Rhett knows where I'm going with this because I can see how sad he is on his face. Um, but it was right at the start of the 2018 qualifying cycle. We were all excited and we were all like, Jurgen Klinsmann's going to take us to the promised land. And the three of us and our friend Travis were going to go watch the first game in Columbus against Mexico uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings. I set that sentence up as if I was going to say that we were in Columbus and we weren't. Um, <laughs> But we were all at the at Buffalo Wild Wings in, in Joplin, Missouri. <laughs> and we walk in and I remember it was like, we're like, there's none. Like, 
the game's not on any of these TVs. And there was like one little TV in the corner. If you guys can correct me if my, any of my memories are wrong on this as I talk, but uh, we were all like, oh, I guess we're going to sit at this little table in the corner because it's like the only table where you can see what's going on on this TV screen. And we start watching that game and we're like, Is, did Klinsman just send this team out in a, with a three-man back line? Like what, what is happening right now? And then like uh, it was um, – uh, uh, Mexico scored the first goal and then we were like, well, it's not going to be Dosacero, but you know, they can still win. And then it was like, it just kept getting worse and worse. And then like Pulisic gets thrown off like a, was Pulisic 18 at that point? Like, yeah, he was tiny. Like, yeah. L- younger than 20 at that point, like gets thrown on and it's basically just like, go do it. I don't know. <laughs> and so that was like the beginning of the end of the cleanse. I mean, we all, we were all there. We all know what happened, but I just remember that being like the moment where like, because I had come in after the 2014 World Cup and like kind of kept up with the team as far as just players and things like that. And that was the first taste of like real serious competitive U.S. Men's National Team um, games going on. And then like it being, you know, Klinsman and Bruce Arena and all of that. I remember spending um, the whole game of the, the game in Trinidad, like trying to find a way to watch it on and then like i spent the entire 90 minutes trying to find a way to watch it and then being like well that that's not what i wanted um and so it so, sounds like most of your national team uh, memories are not positive hasn't been great mark hasn't been great <laughs> let me tell you uh but uh, you mean not qualifying for the world cup doesn't inspire you know well, <laughs> excitement and joy in your national team well do you remember i think you and i watched was it the last game of the Klinsman era we were watching in the student center yeah, we were like sitting there watching it on your laptop and just being like, what is this team? Like, what they can't do anything right now. Yeah, like we got beat like It was so bad. And I, re- I don't know why I remember this. I remember Lyndon Gooch got thrown on late in that game. And the commentator said something like, you know, Lyndon Gooch, he's probably like the third or fourth fastest player in the Premier League. And like the two of us just looking at each other and being like, why is that a thing getting said on this broadcast that's like supposed to make me feel good? Um, it's like he's you know when you talk about fast guys he's one of them like he's one of them <laughs> um but yeah so i thankfully the the women's team has been present throughout all of that um i you know watched most of the women's world cup and um you know on my phone while i was at work and probably shouldn't have been watching it but i don't work at that job anymore so i'm okay admitting there that on a podcast um but yeah uh it's been f- like we've all been fans of the national team the last few years. We know how it's been. There's moments of the highs and really enjoying it, getting really excited about, you know, young players coming through and all of that. And then there's nights like, you know, where you have to realize that we're not going to the world cup and that's really depressing. Um, So so. Brett, um, I'll ask you the same question, but Mm -hmm. um, as a national team fan, obviously, the disappointment of the last few years and then failure to qualify will uh, taint some of those memories, but try and think back to oh, no. uh, simpler high, times. Okay. High yeah. points of the Dave Sarakin era, please. Yeah. If, if you would believe it, I took the gamble and I actually, I, I, I didn't talk about the, the national team cause I figured we were coming back around to it. So I first, um, the 2010 world cup, I realized, I found out that we have a national team. I did not care. I watched a couple of those games in the 2010 World Cup because I was like, these are the best guys in the world. Um, 
like I remember the 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 Dutch the Dutch big long goal uh, that scored the firecracker goal. Um, that was <laughs> just it was absolute. Uh, but then it, by the time yeah the twenty fourteen World Cup came around and that was just as I was like really getting into soccer and I was so excited for it and, and started you know, build up a national team. I remember us qualifying for like, I found out about world cup qualification because the ESPN app or VR or whatever was like, Hey, the U S just qualified for the world cup. And I was like, hot damn, let's go. <laughs> like, I just found out about soccer. Our team's going to the world. Like, yeah, I forgot. That's the thing. Okay. And so didn't, was not there for the qualifying process at all. Had no idea, but got to 2014 and 2014 was, was amazing. was just phenomenal. Like the feeling of watching uh, watching a team and like knowing the whole world is watching and being like, oh, hey, everyone in America, we're for this team because like it's where we're from. We're like, I think most a lot of fans get that, you know, even at club level where they're like, well, this is my town's team. I was like, this is my country's team. Like, let's go. And uh, the the those are the uh, the popsicles of justice uh, jerseys uh, that were absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And that was because I think I don't was, know if I don't know if other that people that that uh, that uh, Dempsey scored a uh, thirty seconds in to our World Cup campaign, and you know we were going to win. We were going to win. Like a, dude, that draw against Portugal, wild. The Jermaine Jones goal, unbelievable. Absolutely sent. Yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that whole process just incredible. Absolutely wonderful. I thought being a national team fan was the greatest. And then 2018 is maybe the worst day, not day, sports-related day of my life, which is wild because I'm a huge Denver Broncos fan. I've watched us lose a Super Bowl. Like, I've lost a Super Bowl in embarrassing fashion. I, like, 2018. Chiefs fan, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, yeah, you had no no idea. No, wouldn't know, wouldn't know. The 2018 process was really my first, that that qualifying thing is like, oh, what's called the hex? Oh, okay, this is it. I'm realizing, okay, so the, the normative emotion for a U.S. soccer fan is, why are we doing what we're doing? <laughs> is, I don't understand. Uh, is it run fast, try hard? Are we trying to do a, you know, whatever? Um, and that, yeah, the night, the 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 unpleasantness in Trinidad um, was sort of the cementing moment where I was like, this team can make me feel this bad. I will never, like, I will never leave. Like, I'm forever a like I am I am down in my bones a a U.S. national team person and then someone was like Rhett are you aware that there is a women's national team and they absolutely whip and I was like what yes so uh the next summer 2015 World Cup was just phenomenal watching it and then um truly the the last World Cup cycle in 2018 or 2019 I suppose yeah 2019 summer 2019 that World Cup team one of my favorite individual teams ever. That team was awesome. They had swagger. They knew, like, they were upset. Um, it, it, it was like it was like watching on a field what I can imagine. It's like watching Drake drop another album. <laughs> he's, people have said he's not all that good, and then he's like, no, again. Like, <laughs> it, it's kind of the same thing as you saw it last time. Like, there's, you know, and it's just good. And it's just, you know, here it is. Ah. It was uh, it was incredible. The the England game when they beat England was really um, yeah. the, the the tea celebration. Yeah, Alex Morgan yeah. sipping the tea in that game is a top five all time all sports moments for me. Yep. 
Yeah, that's so, the best. So yeah, yes, was, I think the men's the national team. Of... It's been it's had its ups and downs, um, and a lot of a lot more downs. Um, but the women's national team is incredible, and being a fan of them is it's almost hard because there's almost they're almost too successful and i feel like like, (laughs) we don't know what that is i I almost like i cannot like be roused out of bed for anything other than the world cup because i'm just like yeah we're gonna get she believes cup yeah we're gonna we're gonna walk away with that with our d team come on let's go (laughs) obviously not not true anymore but i'm excited about the rest of world soccer kind of catching up with the u.s women to where it's like okay next world cup like is not it's it's not like you know, in the bag here, we're, yeah. it's, it's going to be cool. Yeah, the world, the world is certainly catching up. So um, we're approaching the uh, 45 minute mark here. So when I get in one last closing question for each is, of you, is this the part where you ask us to do detailed breakdowns of the teams we assembled in FIFA 15? Cause yeah, I, I think we both have lots of material. We can do that. <laughs> That'll be for the Patreon, right? <laughs> so the the last thing I want to get to with each of you is, um, is there a moment, be it a national team, uh, club sides, women's game? I mean, a moment that was stands long in the memory or brought you to tears or brings joy to you? What, what's When somebody says soccer, What's the moment that comes to mind? Soren. Me first. Okay. I'm going off professional. And um, the last year that I was a JV, I was a, I've been a, I was a JV coach for about four years um, at, at a high school here. And um, I started off as a freshman coach and then spent uh, three years as a, as the JV coach. And I had this one kid, um, I got to see one group of kids go through all through high school. Um, I had this one boy named Aziz. He came into the program. He was one of the most talented players on the team by far, but he was out of shape. He had a star player mentality. He like, um, like me and him like butted heads as a fresh, he came in as a freshman and like, I, I benched him multiple times his, fresh, his freshman year. He, he was upset about it. He almost quit the team. I got him to come back. Um, and then, sophomore junior year other players progressed past him for a couple different for you know a a myriad of different reasons and I was having to help him work through a lot of those emotional things like you see with a young player uh where they're you know they're they're having to learn how to play as a team and whatnot and by his senior year he actually he made the varsity team and it was the last season that I coached and our team made the playoffs uh we had been a bad program for a long time we made the playoffs for um, the second straight year, but we had lo- we hadn't won a playoff game yet. And we had a home game and we, uh, go down one Oh to this team, uh, uh, called Alvern and they're just big body play kickball, like lock it in. It's a rainstorm, like absolutely downpouring. It is a miserable day. We go down one Oh, there was no hope for us to score. And then Aziz comes on as a sub makes an incredibly unselfish pass outside a quick decision and then triggers and makes a 60 yard run that I had never seen him like effort wise. He would have never made that run. He makes this run and the ball finds him at the back post and he taps it in to tie it and absolutely flips like the entire team flips in that moment. 
I know I like it was rainstorming. I said, I'm so glad it was rainstorming because I was weeping on the sideline, screaming this kid's name. And he like, he like turns and points at me. Cause before, before the game, I forgot about this. I came up to him and I was like, dude, you're going to show everybody today. Like four years, this is it. Totally not believing anything like that would happen. But I just go, I gas up my players every, every game. That's how I am as a coach. I tell them things I don't believe. And they're going to be devastated listening to this. Oh my gosh. It was the, maybe the greatest moment of my life. And it was like exactly what soccer is where it's just like this long drudge of work, 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 work for one moment build up. I would like, nothing will top that moment in my life. We ended up going on winning that game two one and best moment, not of my life, but like of my entire sports life. So good. So proud. That's amazing. Monty, what about you? Yeah, I don't have a story nearly as good as that one, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but I do. Uh, I, two moments come to mind, and I think I think you'll like both of them, Mark. So I'm just going to tell both of them, and you'll get over it. But um, the first one <laughs> was the the North London Derby uh, against Arsenal at White Hart Lane. It would have been uh, twenty. Was it twenty? It was the year Leicester won the title, so 2015? 2015, 16. Yeah, yeah, that season. So. Get up early. I'm Rhett and I are roommates at the time, and Rhett, if I remember right, I'm watching it on our TV in our living room, and you were too tired to get up out of bed, so you were laying in your room on the other side of the wall watching the same game on your phone, uh, but about five seconds behind me. And when and like Harry Kane had been hurt, and like that was his first game back, and he was wearing the mask and everything, and he whips in that goal. Like he's down. Like the ball's down in the corner, and you're like, okay, maybe they can pass it out and build something. And then like from the edge of the box, like he just rips it and it goes in. And like, I just take off running around our apartment. Like, I think I ran across our apartment um, from the living room to my bedroom and like jumped on the bed and like screamed under my pillow. Cause it was seven in the morning and read, if I remember right, like it was on a delay and like you heard me running and that was how you knew that something was about to happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like that, like, and obviously like we all know how that season ended out, ended up like, Lester won the title and and everything with that. But like for where Spurs had been, like when I started caring about Spurs and being like, oh, Arsenal are like the club that we always want to be better than, but we never beat. Like it just, it always one way or another, like Arsenal always end up being at the top of the table. And like in that, when that goal went in and like, and like that image of like Harry running to the corner and like ripping his mask off and all that, it felt like I was like Spurs are the greatest club in the world. Like they're winning the league this year. They're going to, destroy everyone like arsenal is the second club in north london now like this is amazing like it just like as excited as i've ever been like watching a sporting event of a team that i was in in, like emotionally invested in like it was just wild um the second one was the day that they beat man city to go to the champions league final um weirdly like i ended up i was supposed to work that day but then because of stuff going on. Like I ended up staying at home all day. So like, I wasn't supposed to be able to watch that game. And then I ended up being able to watch it. And like, like just the chaos of that game and like it's man city and it's pep. And so you're like, this is like man city's the better team. They're, they've got more talent. They've got more money. They've got all this. And like, and I can't remember the scoreline coming into that game, but it was just like, just the last, the second half of that game was just chaos. And then the offside decisions and like the, the, ball that glanced in where it was like could have could have been a handball yeah like could have maybe should have been a handball on on your intake but it was just like there just kept being chaos happen and every chaotic thing that happened benefited spurs 
And like, just like they, Man City put in that goal and it was like complete devastation. And then it was like, oh, wait, like the refs pointing to it, like the refs like got his hand up to his ear, like what's going on? And then it's like, oh, actually, that, that was offside. And like, I just remember, uh, if I remember right, like we were all talking back and forth on Twitter, but I just remember like, I was like sitting in the middle of my apartment, like on my knees, just like, not like, I don't, I was just like sitting there in front of my TV, just like, for like five minutes after the game ended just being like, what just happened? Like, I think Spurs just went to the champions league final, but like, I feel like it took about a few minutes. Cause I kept feeling like there was going to be a like, Oh, actually like VAR looked at something and like, actually it's not real. And like, you know, like I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop of like, Oh, actually you got close, but it's not going to happen. And it just never did. And then just being like, I, I guess we're going to the Champions League final. Like this is wild. Um, and or I guess that sent us. That wasn't into the final. That was the semifinals. Because yeah, it was yeah. the it was the the miracle. In the oh right, because yeah, that's today. Well, that totally undercuts my entire story. But um, but I mean, <laughs> beating Man City, like. But yeah, I think I think most Spurs fans, even with how good Ajax were that season, would have liked that matchup. It was getting by Man City that felt like the mountain that was unattainable at mm. that point. So yeah, totally understand. Yeah, that was that game was. I was keeping up with it on Twitter. I wasn't able to watch it live. I was at work, and I was refreshing Twitter like every two seconds. Like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah. And then it's and, just chaos. Is a good yeah. word. And that's how I experienced the miracle in Amsterdam because I was like, I was at work, and I remember mm-hmm. being like. Oh, this game, like, oh, it was a good run, but like, they're not going to be able to beat IX. And then it was like, oh, wait, things are, like they scored, like Lucas Mora scored, like maybe something's happening. And like, yeah, man, I can't be right. Even then again, score. yeah. And then again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that whole run was just, was just wild. And obviously, you know, the storybook ending would have been for them to win. And then Pochettino leaves on it, on that note and all that. And we all know how that went, but, but man, that afternoon and evening of just being like, what in the world? Like, they beat Man City, you know, like it was, it was just nuts. And that, those are that, yeah, the highest points of being a fan where like, it just felt like, gosh, the team I root for is the best. I feel like that might yeah. not be rational, but it feels true right now. Yeah. Yeah. Complete euphoria in those moments. And, and the, the comeback in Amsterdam is, is up there for me. It's the, that call in the final moment, last kick of the game, Delhi brings the ball down, puts Lucas through. Lucas slots home off a slightly deflected ball. And the commentator just, Mara! Like almost his his attempt at the Aguero. Yeah. And uh, Spurs are going to the Champions League final. I, I cried. I couldn't couldn't keep it in. It was It's one of the most beautiful moments. I get chills every time I think about it. I think what and this other, has taught me is I just need to stop watching current Spurs and just every time Spurs are playing, just pull up a, a game that I actually oh, yeah. I enjoyed and, and that'll be yeah, just like, just like rewatch the 2015 through 2018 uh, teams, you know, just watch Harry Kane score hat tricks against Stoke or something. Absolutely. <laughs> better, better for your health. Yeah, better for your good self care. The, uh, the other moment of mine would be Usman's national team one. Um, it was the game against Ghana, um, you know, Clint Dempsey puts us up early. They score late. And then John Anthony Brooks rises up with the header to end all headers and puts that ball in the back of the neck and uh, back at the net and uh, then falls to his knees. Just like, can't believe it. The, the call there from Ian dark, it just lives in my mind. And every time I see that highlight, I get chills. 
Uh, an honorable mention from that World Cup too would be Jermaine Jones's goal. Again, I think it was against Portugal. The sound that that makes when it hits the net stays with me, man. It's amazing. It's like the crispest sound ever. But it, I, can, I appreciate you guys. Go ahead. If we can throw in one more honorable mention that I know you'll care about, Delhi's uh, goal. I think it was it's against Christmas Palace. Time. Yeah, yeah, I just because we were watching it. Rhett and I were watching that game with our other roommate at the time, who doesn't care about soccer at all. And I just remember like Delhi pops it up in the air a couple times, turns and rips it, and it goes in. And him just being like, "That, that's that doesn't normally happen, right? Like, <laughs> they, they don't do that all the time, do they?" But like, gosh, that goal was just so incredible. Anyway, yeah, sorry to step all over your outro, Booge. No, you're good. Fifty-five minute mark. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, guys, I appreciate you doing this. Um, I hope, listeners, that you've uh, been able to find some joy in hearing uh, three losers talk about our love of the game and the moments that made us soccer fans. And I imagine they'll be somewhat similar to yours. We can't wait to hear those stories. So I'll say Soren, Scorin, Soren, Rhett, Johnson, Johnston, Thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so Thank you, Booch. And Monty Nuno's son, French. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And uh, I hope to uh, hear from you guys again soon. Hey, thank you, Mark. And if, if the listeners want to hear about our career with Atletico Madrid and FIFA 15, like just tweet at Mark. Have him have us back on. It was a great we'll, team. I'll tease it with that. And yeah, you know. <laughs> we can absolutely do a bonus episode. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Mark. I want to thank Soren and Monty for being on the show and being the guinea pigs in this, the inaugural episode of the Fan America podcast. I know the conversation was a bit Tottenham heavy this week, and I, I promise it won't always be like that. But if you did enjoy the conversation, go on over to iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star rating and a review as it will help others find the show. In addition, if you're interested in being on the Fan America podcast, send me an email at contactfanamerica at gmail.com and uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and your fandom, and I would love to have you on the show. Well, that'll do it for this week. I appreciate you listening and uh, reviewing and all those things. Until next week, later.